Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Vent Weekly. I'm Suprina. All of our lives have been changed by COVID-19 and months spent in lockdown. Even with some restrictions starting to lift, the world seems a very different place. If you're done with COVID-19, this mini-series might not be for you. But if you do have questions or anxieties around COVID-19 that you wanted to talk about, we've got you. This series, we're getting you answers. Hi, my name's Kamaya Shea and I'm from Brent. It seems hard to remember a time without COVID-19, but I also feel kind of lost. Like, what is COVID-19? And where did it all really begin? Did we really get this virus all from the back? Today, I'm joined by Kamaya and Rachel Neuer, a freelance science journalist based in New York and author of Poached, Inside the Dark World of Wildlife Trafficking. Can you just both introduce yourselves and say a little bit about who you are and what you do? Hi, my name is Kamaya Shea. I'm a starting photographer <laughs> and he's about to go to university to study visual arts and motion graphics to fulfill my lifelong dream to work in Doctor Who Productions. That's awesome. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, so my name is Rachel Neuer. I usually write about wildlife and conservation, which has become pretty interesting in this pandemic since there's really direct ties to animals and how we treat them. Yeah, 100%. I feel like some people don't speak about it enough, so I'm glad that we get to speak about it today. But um, like you, Kamaya, because we've been living with this virus now, I feel like, for so long, mm. like, how did we get here? Because when I first heard of it, I didn't think it would get this serious. Mm. So, Rachel, could you just take us back and tell us what exactly COVID-19 is? Um, you know, it's totally fine if, like, you're confused about this. In fact, COVID! COVID! President Donald Trump didn't seem to know what COVID-19 actually means. I can name Kung Flu. I can name 19 different versions of name. Oh my god. So, COVID-19 is the infectious disease caused by this recently discovered new coronavirus. Mm. Uh, coronaviruses are named for these crown-like spikes on the surface of their like little spherical body. There's tons of them out in nature. There's seven that can infect people, including this this new one. And why was it given that name? Because to me, mm. it's kind of like a weird, different name. Do you know why? Yeah, it sounds kind of science fiction, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so it's pretty straightforward. It's an acronym when you break it down. So CO for Corona, mm -hmm. V for virus, I for infectious, D for disease, and 19 is just the year it was discovered. So COVID-19. 
19. Oh my god, I did not I know, know that. that you know. Yeah. I, I thought it was just oh like... Oh my god, Kamaya, I was about to ask, did you know that? No, I just thought like, thought like the 19 was like how many like individual like spikes there was like around oh. it. Oh no, awesome. <laughs> No, but Kamaya, oh your explanation is smarter That's than so what funny. I thought. Because I thought like it was 19 people got it and then they discovered <laughs> what it was. Oh nice. <laughs> But my question is, where was it found? Like, did they find it in animals? How did it go everywhere? So what we do know is that it was first really documented in Wuhan, China, from a wet market. And a wet market just means you go there and there's, like, fresh produce for sale, fresh meat. So 31 of the 33 samples that Chinese officials took in that market that came back positive for the virus came from the section that sold wildlife. So that points to an origin from a wild animal and then spread from there. Mm. What we don't know is which animal it came from. I saw a lot of things on the news that were saying it was from bats, but is that just a rumor? So it's not a rumor. This new coronavirus is 96% similar genetically to a coronavirus that is naturally found in a type of horseshoe bat in China. Mm. Or it could have gone from the bats into another species and then into a person. (laughs) And we've actually seen this in the past. So SARS, like in the early 2000s, that was from a bat, but then it went into a civet, which is a type of little carnivorous cat-looking thing. And then it went into people. MERS, which is in the Middle East, it started from a bat, then it went to a camel, and then it went to people. So it would make sense if there's an intermediary species just because Mm. that's been Mm -hmm. the pattern. So could you just tell us a little bit more about the markets Mm. that you were explaining and what they are actually like? Right, yeah. So I've been to these markets myself for uh, research for my book. Mm. Uh, It's really not a pleasant place to go. I love animals. I think that they have feelings and, like, desires, and, you know, I think they're sentient. But at these markets, they're just in deplorable conditions. You know, some are, like, injured. Um, All of them are just in these tiny cages. And the cages are oftentimes stacked on top of each other, so they're, like, pooping on each other, bleeding on each other, drooling on each other. It smells like shit and blood and feathers and fur. It's not like these are like air-conditioned supermarkets. It's like an outdoor area. Animals are brought in from all over the place because there's lots and lots of hunting in Asia, so animals are disappearing from the forest. They call it the empty forest syndrome. So hunters have to hunt further and further afield from like hundreds of miles away, maybe even from a different country. So you have all these animals coming together in this market from all over the place, which means Animals from different places are mixing, which means their viruses are mixing. And then once somebody comes and decides, like, okay, I want that civet or whatever, um, usually the animal is slaughtered on the spot. And, you know, you're using, like, the same knife and the same cutting block as you use for, like, every other species. And any animal, you know, whether it's a person or a bat, if they're stressed out, they're actually going to be shedding more viral particles. So it's just a perfect lab for creating a new virus or for having a virus jump to people. Mm-hmm. So is there like any like regulations or laws? Like if it's so known that we can just like rock up at that place and like write about it and stuff like this, if it's so easy mm. to create a whole world pandemic, oh is there not any regulations? Such a great question. So 
It really depends on which country you're talking about. So, mm-hmm. you know, a place like Laos has very, very few regulations. A place like China or Vietnam has a lot of laws, but oftentimes they're not followed. Mm-hmm. Some of this is legal. Like in China, it was perfectly legal to sell like turtles and snakes and a bunch of these species. It was not legal to sell pangolins. I don't know if you guys know what that is. It's also known as a scaly anteater covered in scales, like a walking like pine cone dinosaur looking thing. They can roll into balls. Pangolins are actually the world's most highly trafficked mammal. Anyways, it was not legal to sell pangolins. But that doesn't mean that you can't go and find pangolins. Like I was able to go find pangolin scales for sale within like half an hour in China. I'm a white girl. I don't speak Chinese. And even I could find the scales like that. You know, Mm -hmm. so it just shows you how easy it is to break the rules. So you see these markets and these animals, are they buying them to eat them or do something else? Like, I don't understand what what it's for. Mm. It really depends. Some people are buying them to eat them. So in places like China and Vietnam, there's a belief that what you consume is what you are. Mm -hmm. And you can also absorb the properties of certain animals. So If you have arthritis, you can eat a snake, and because snakes are, like, you know, twirly or whatever, uh, it'll help your joints. Or, you know, if you eat a tiger, you're going to become, like, this strong, like, mighty guy, Mm -hmm. whatever. Other people buy wild meat because they just see it as more pure. Like, they think that, you know, farming is, like, disgusting, and those animals are, like, unpure. Mm. And then on the other side, there's also medicine. You know, a lot of people in Asia practice traditional medicine and they might buy pangolin scales to use them as medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, exotic pets, those are becoming really, That's really popular. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, they're already popular in places like the U.S., in Europe. Tiger King. Yeah, oh my God, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I hate that show. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, you see it on TV shows and even celebrities, like, they would have those animals and then it's like, because they're specific and special the scene is more expensive and more cool mm-hmm. like it's like a limited edition jewelry set and yeah. it's so sick that it's actually like an animal because like if you really think about it, you've taken this animal out of their natural habitat mm-hmm. just so you can like show somebody it's like exactly does that really matter mm-hmm. yeah i wish i wish everybody thought like you because um <laughs> mm-hmm. i think a lot of people just don't see animals as like living they see them as just objects you know for our purposes and our desires yeah and I like how you brought up the traditions and rituals as well because I feel like I'm quite western but I'm Nepalese and when I go back to Nepal I see them do a lot of rituals on animals and animals dying and they literally behead the animals right Mm. in front of everyone and I remember when I was a kid I saw that and it, for me, it was traumatizing, but everybody around said, oh, well, you've got to see this because this is our culture, this is what we do. And now, growing up and thinking about it, I was like, I can't believe they put me through that because that's just, oh that's really traumatic. Yeah. Like, Sabrina, like, yeah. we have family in Jamaica and one of my family, they have a goat at Christmas. We eat, mm-hmm. we eat goats, we eat curry goat. And so my cousin came back. She was really, really shocked. For, like, the whole two weeks they were there, they had this goat oh. that she would play with, that she would feed, that she would look after... And then come Christmas now morning, she's gone down to oh this goat God. and the goat's gone. <laughs> it killed a goat. And then for us, it's like, well, that we all knew we were going to eat that goat. And we're all not taking food from that goat. But for her, it was like, no, but that's that, my pet. Like, 
that's my pet that was my friend that was someone i bonded with while i exactly. was here and it's like what is the line between like we have to eat and i guess this is tradition to but we have to start a new tradition like where what is that line a hundred percent i think we all need to make that decision individually but you know as more and more people adopt the mind frame that you guys have you know that's different than your families like we as a society can mm-hmm. move toward a kinder mm. world when it comes to wildlife mm-hmm. and you know reducing the risk of pandemics a hundred percent so because it's like a global animal trade mm. it must accumulate a lot of money oh my god yes yeah. so the illegal wildlife trade on its own is like 23 billion each year which is like oh obviously god. humongous there was a scientific paper that came out last year that estimated that one-fifth of every vertebrate species on the planet is traded. So that's like 20% of all vertebrate animals, like millions of animals traded each day. Is our environment not affected having these animals gone from their like natural habitat? Like I hate spiders at the best of times, but my mom would let me kill them because she's like, no, they are for a reason. It's like, is like the forest not affected by their numbers going down increasingly? Mm -hmm. Yeah, first of all, I love your mom. She's awesome. Listen to her. She's a wise woman. Um, Yeah, that's you're totally right. Wildlife trade is one of like the biggest existential threats to biodiversity on the planet. Maybe you guys have heard about the sixth mass extinction. Mm. Basically, there's been, you know, five huge extinction events caused by, you know, volcanoes and like the dinosaurs dying and stuff. Mm -hmm. But we're in the middle of a new extinction crisis. But this is the first one that's ever been caused by a single species. And that's us. Mm So it's, like, not a great thing to be like, okay, yay, we're number one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, a lot of those extinctions are being driven by wildlife trade. Like, we're just extracting too much. Mm-hmm. We want too much. There's too many of us mm-hmm. to keep up this level of trade. So if we don't change our ways, we're going to see, like, hundreds and thousands, perhaps, of species go extinct, like, within the next few decades. Oh my Do you know God. how long that will yeah. affect, then, us and how we live? Like, would it only yeah. be then, like, 20 years up of that until we're, like, living off one bucket of water? Yeah. Oh, my God. I really, like, I don't want to depress you guys, but... <laughs> I'm scared to know the answer. <laughs> I know. And, like, y'all are a bit younger than me, so I'm just like, good luck. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we're looking at complete, like, ecological collapse. Mm-hmm. Think about, like, a brick wall in your house. Like, if you remove one brick, your house is going to be okay. Maybe, like, some bugs are going to get in or whatever. But if you start removing, like, many, many bricks, all these species, eventually that entire wall is going to fall down Mm -hmm. and you're going to be, like, left out naked or whatever. So (laughs) we really need to change our ways. Mm -hmm. Like, this is an existential threat, not just for biodiversity, but, like, for our entire way of life. My God, you must be, like, so irritated knowing all this information (laughs) and no one else listening. But I've just been shocked (laughs) at the information that you're saying. Kamaya, I wanted to ask you, like, Mm -hmm. are you as surprised as I am? I didn't know that to this extent that it was going on because obviously Mm -hmm. you hear like oh like COVID came from like Bill Gates's like laboratory in Wuhan oh yeah but to hear that because of like this massive trafficking of animals we have like created this situation here and then to even try and voice that to anybody else it's like oh well you love plants and it's like well yes because we kind of need them (laughs) sort of thing and Mm -hmm. you want to ask okay so how do we stop it but it's more than one person or three people doing it it takes like a whole global effort to really do it and it takes a mindset i don't know how you change that Mm -hmm. well i don't either but i'll tell you that this is exactly why i became a science journalist because i wanted to 
get the word out and like communicate these things talking to women like you and just like knowing that now you're going to think about this and you're going to tell your friends and they're going to tell their mm. friends and their families like at least we can do our little parts and that can add up to a big change. I think you're right. And it does start with Yeah, and like another part of it is just voting on leaders that actually <laughs> believe in this stuff, that believe in, you know, freaking science yes. that will like get us on the path to good. Yeah, and even speaking about what we're speaking about, just caring about animals, caring about the environment, I think sometimes people get the stereotype, oh, you must be a tree hugger, so I don't even want to listen to you. But what's wrong with that? What's wrong with, with caring about the world? Yay, I love that. And especially exactly. every... <laughs> Especially with everything going on in terms mm. of like the whole Black Lives Matter movement. If we show care towards animals, that will start showing care towards humans oh, and one another. Like 100%. it just starts that whole empathy thing. And mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, the whole world needs to like change the whole state of Exactly. 100%. And do you feel like with things to do like with wildlife markets and everything, is there a good chance that we're going to have another pandemic like this mm. in the future? Oh, yeah. It's not like if but when wow like it's going to happen like it might be next year it might be 10 years from now it might be like 30 years from now i doubt it's 30 because we're accelerating the risk of this happening because we're just doing it more and more and more mm -hmm. and you know it's it's not just wildlife trade that causes this it's also destroying the environment so think about like a block of jungle like nobody goes in there like animals have their space we have our space when you start cutting those trees all these animals and people are coming into contact. You're just increasing these chances for a virus that normally is like, you know, doing its thing in nature to jump over to us. There's been studies that show that risk of new disease emerging is highest in tropical forest areas that are being destroyed for like logging, mining and dams. Mm. So, yeah, we're just like asking for it, basically. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe I'm being pessimistic, mm. but I just don't think things are going to change. I think people are more excited about going to play bowling or being able mm. to go to the pub or going to get totally. their hair cut. Not totally. thinking about how can totally. we change or how to stop this from happening, which is really sad. It's really sad. But let's say in way, way ahead in the future, we actually get rid of all viruses. Would that mean a <laughs> pandemic like this won't happen again? So that's funny. A friend of mine actually asked me that like back in March. Um, he was like my quarantine buddy. Aww. And he's like, well, what if we just like got rid of all viruses? Like screw these viruses. Like I hate them. And that got me thinking. So I uh, decided to write a story about it. And it's just like this hypothetical, like what would happen if all viruses disappeared? Because I had no idea. Mm. Um, it turns out we'd probably all die. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like Wait, your what? spider. Yeah. All of these organisms and like things play a role in nature. So I learned that there's thousands of viruses classified, but actually there's probably millions out there like that we don't even know about. And of those millions, the vast, vast, vast majority, like 99.9% .9 are actually not pathogenic to humans. They don't cause us any harm. And actually, like, if we made them disappear, the, the planet as we know it would cease to exist. Here's a great example. There's a special kind of virus called a phage. And phage only infect bacteria. And they're really, really prevalent in the ocean. Mm. And by killing all these bacteria, they drive the processes that produce like half of the oxygen on our planet every single day. Wow. So, oh like, we God. might suffocate. Like, who knows what would even happen to, like, the oxygen levels. Um, they also do things like keep animal populations in check. So 
If you have like a giant like plague of locusts and they're like eating all your crops or killing the forest, a viral infection will like break out and kill a bunch of those animals just to like balance the ecosystem. Wow. That, oh, wow. Yeah. That's really small. And that process is called, quote unquote, kill the winner. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Unfortunately, that's actually what's happening now. That's what I was about to. That's what I was yeah, about to say. Yeah, it's like, it's like, so that sounds like we're yeah. winning, and we're yeah, like, it's like the monopoly. Mm, that sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, we are an animal. Like we are part of this planet and these processes. We can't escape them. Mm -hmm. So, what can we do now to just? prevent another pandemic like this? Is there anything we can do? So even if we wanted to, we couldn't get rid of all the viruses. That's just impossible. Mm. Um, we are going to have to learn to live more equitably with the world. That means reforming things like wildlife trade. There's some really great progress in China right now. They've banned consumption of terrestrial wildlife. Like, it's okay. not perfect yet. Like, they're still allowing wildlife to be used in medicine and in fur and as pets. But, you know, it's, like, a really big first step. Mm -hmm. But more than that, we just need to fundamentally, like, reconstruct our relationship with nature. Like, stop being so extractive. Stop, like, mowing down rainforests to build, like, palm oil plantations mm -hmm. and get, like, logs to make, like, cheap furniture. Mm -hmm. You know, is this going to happen overnight? No, but... I really think it's going to be essential for yeah. our future and our survival. Like, we're at a crossroads now. Yeah, I actually want to know your opinion, because some scientists were saying, how about instead of banning, like, the wildlife markets, what about if we control it and do, like, captive breeding and, and just ban mm -hmm. the high-risk species, like bats and stuff? How do you feel right. about that? Yeah, I definitely think we should ban bats. Like, there's no reason yeah. to be, like, messing with yeah. those guys. They have a lot of viruses. But... The thing is, viruses are actually in, like, every species. So there was a study that just came out in Vietnam that found, like, seven different coronaviruses just in rats. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. when they sampled rats in nature, they found, like, zero to two percent of them had the viruses, like, shedding them. By the time they got to a restaurant, they were so stressed out, over 50 percent were actively shedding viral particles. Wow. So it just shows that there's no species mm -hmm. that's safe. As far as captive breeding goes, the problem is, like we talked about earlier, about like things on paper versus the reality. Almost all of those farms in like Vietnam that are like quote unquote captive breeding are also laundering animals from the yeah. wild. So, you know, a hunter will catch an animal from the wild and be like, here, I'll sell this to you. And they'll just like throw it in because it's cheaper. Mm -hmm. And just because something's bred in captivity doesn't mean it doesn't have a bunch of viruses. Mm -hmm. Do you think then we should just like prepare ourselves? Like Mad Max could possibly happen. <laughs> Let's just everyone learn how to like throw like knives and axes and like how to dig holes and hunt and then just like get ready for the apocalypse oh yeah that, sh that should be like your next um pandemic <laughs> life skill that you yeah. learn oh my god like after spanish or whatever <laughs> oh my gosh yeah i don't know like i think we should just like do our best to spread the word and like try to get people to go out and vote for like sensible leaders and mm. like try to make our voices heard mm -hmm. yeah wow this conversation has definitely like brought me more insight behind the coronavirus because mm. I literally felt like I knew nothing about the wildlife kind of sense to it. I just want to know like Kamai's final thoughts and how you felt about this and <laughs> and has it like just opened your mind about the whole thing? I mean, yeah, for sure. Now I'm going to go to my mom's bedroom and be like, mom, so this is what I found out. <laughs> but in terms of like what I'm going to do in the future, I, I just 
want to know what is it that I can do personally from all the way here in Brent that will stop it from from going on. It's like not personally that I go and buy tigers every weekend, but what can I do? Totally. That's such a great question. And I feel like it's really easy to feel despondent being like, we can't do anything about this. Um, But there's lots you can do. Share like good stories about this topic on social media. If someone posts something stupid, like (laughs) saying that this pandemic was like a plandemic or that Bill Gates created it, like tell them they're wrong, you know, like either privately or on like the public forum. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, what people think matters. Mm. Like it's fine to hold different opinions, but when those opinions are like hurting people and even like killing people, Mm -hmm. like and they're voting for people that are going to like do that, it's it's not okay to hold those opinions, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we can just think about more where our products come from, like what we're spending our money on. Like, was this wood for this like bed I'm buying for my dorm mm. legally sourced or sustainably sourced? Um, don't buy like wildlife products, even if it's something as seemingly innocuous as like a turtle shell like hair thing. Like, just don't yeah. do it because a lot of it is illegal and unsustainable. I just wrote about a study that found that like even high fashion designers like Gucci and Ralph Lauren, they've had a bunch of illegal products seized coming into the US. So like even like that handbag that costs like $5,000 might be from an illegally killed Mm. snake in Indonesia. Wow. So, you know, if you can just avoid wildlife products, like just do it. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. And thank you so much, Kamaya, for speaking to me. You definitely taught me something. And I feel like you taught Mm -hmm. Kamaya something as well. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yay. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for your interest. You guys are really inspirational. And I'm looking forward (laughs) to you both saving the world. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Vent Weekly, bonus COVID-19 fact checkers. I've been Sabrina and thanks to Rachel and Kamaya for joining me. This episode was produced by Rose Delara Beatty with help from Vent production team Jess Lawson, Lucas Fothergill and Moeed Majid. Vent is a collaboration between Vice and Brent London Borough of Culture 2020. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.